Welcome back to another episode of NFT Catcher Podcast. We'd like to remind everybody that nothing on the show is meant as financial advice, and to please do your own research. Thank you, and enjoy the show. Now the subject is NFT. They're known as non-fungible tokens, or NFT. NFTs are floating in popularity. This is a technology that will forever change the way people interact. So it is happening whether you understand it and like it or not. This phenomenon is moving the digital You have now joined Jenny from the blockchain and Michael Keane on the NFT Catcher Podcast. What's up, everyone? And welcome back to another episode of the NFT Catcher Pod with me, Jenny from the Blockchain, and my co-host, Michael Keane. Today, we have a very special interview. We are interviewing Jack and Sid, co-founders of Magic Eden, the famous Solana NFT marketplace, which is also branching into ETH collections as well. Jack and Sid, welcome to the show. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having us. Yes. So... I'm always curious on people's origin stories on, you know, how did you guys get into Web3? I mean, you've built such an amazing marketplace and platform, but where did it all begin? How did you guys meet each other? And how did you guys decide to to start Magic Eden? Um, well, to be honest, I've, I've, I've been dabbling in crypto for a while, but uh, actually far less than uh, my co-founder Sid. So Actually, Sid has the much earlier origin story. So why, why, why do you talk about it? So yeah. I uh, started in crypto in 2013. Um, so I started in the developer ecosystem. Uh, I was working on, initially working on like Bitcoin JS, uh, which is like the JavaScript library for Bitcoin. And then like we kind of rebranded it to CryptoCoin.js, which is like, we, we did that with um, the CEO of Exodus Wallet, JP Richardson. Uh, at that time, he was not famous at all. <laughs> uh and you know not 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 like he he is now um uh he so him and i we kind of worked on this library together i was o- the organizer of like the san francisco like bitcoin developer meetup group um and just like kind of generally was like in the ecosystem i was really into it i thought the technology was really interesting and i kind of just like worked on a little bit open source on the on the side and then um you know, after that, then I um, basically wanted to do something in the consumer space for crypto, uh, try a bunch of stuff, nothing worked. Uh, eventually, because I was in the developer ecosystem, I was like, oh, let me build something that every developer needs. And so I started like a developer API, like a indexer, which is like, you know, eventually like developer API for, you know, for crypto became really valuable, but definitely not the company that I worked on. Uh, so the company I worked on, the 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 API that eventually basically died. Like, you know, we had lots of customers, but no one could pay us because no nobody else could figure out how to do crypto for consumer. So like they all didn't have money. In the end, I was making $500 a month, which was like enough for ramen, but not enough for rent, <laughs> which is quite challenging. Oh my God. Wait, enough for ramen, but not enough for rent. That was good. <laughs> That's a good sound. Uh, and then, so, so I was like, okay, fine. Like I'm going to pivot. So um, at that time, like, um, you know, everybody had like paper wallet, brain wallet. Like it was the time where like blockchain.info, like a browser wallet that was like really popular. Um, you know, I had this great idea. I was like, oh, why don't we build a wallet into the Chrome, ex- like as a Chrome extension, brow- like a browser extension. I was like, oh, that would be really cool. Like you, you, no matter where you are, you can always just like go and pay 
people Bitcoin. So we built that and it was really cool. We kind of distributed to our developer friends. People generally all liked it. They're like, this is awesome. The experience is basically like MetaMask today, except like only Bitcoin and except like basically no users. Uh, but everyone that used it was, it was like, this is awesome because like back then the same money, you kind of need to like go to blockchain.info, you know, copy and paste the address, put it into a different browser, send it, right? But like when it's in the Chrome extension, you're just on the same page. It was really easy. And I would say the experience was pretty good, but definitely like no users, very few users. And then I remember thinking to myself, I was like, how would a Chrome extension wallet ever get big? This is a stupid idea. Like it would never work. So then I, you know, eventually I kind of stopped working on uh, on the Chrome extension wallet. And, you know, like in hindsight, the developer API now we have Alchemy that's worth like $9 billion. We have like, you know, consensus, like MetaMouse is worth like $7 billion or something. And then, you know, there's, there's also me. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, you know, eventually I, you know, I was like, I was just like a little jaded by crypto. I was like, oh man, this is like not going to happen. It's a libertarian dream that would never happen. So I kind of like ran out of money. Eventually I was like living on a boat for a little bit because like San Francisco was really expensive and my my friend had like a broken sailboat and I just live on that sailboat. What the heck? This is the craziest story. <laughs> okay, please continue. There's a lot of stories there. And then, I mean, eventually I then like borrow like a few thousand dollars from my girlfriend and then, you know, then that allowed me to get a room. <laughs> I actually never pay my girlfriend back, but it's okay. Like she's my wife now. So like, we're, hey. we're, uh, the debt is forgiven. We have the baby together. So she's forgotten about the debt. I still owe her $6,000 now. But anyway, so then, you know, I ended up at Uber. I was like one of the first engineers on Uber Eats. Uh, I then, you know, worked on machine learning. I worked on, then went to um, Uber self-driving research lab. It was called like the ATG, the Advanced Technologies Group. Uh, I was there for a few years. Uh, eventually I went to Facebook. So it's just like a very boring big tech career while watching watching crypto at the same time and then maybe then that connects to like jack's story yeah yeah uh i'm gonna keep mine real short because it's hard to <laughs> but I, I did want uh folks to hear his story i think it's it's actually crazy like he's an og uh and he was like uh writing code with like vitalik like with vitalik like pre pre ethereum but yeah, so like Sid and I were high school friends. So we know each other for like over 15, 16 years. And then when he started this crazy like uh, Bitcoin company, uh, I was like, yeah, pretty inspired. So like, uh, you know, I, I went to like check them out and stuff. And then I realized, yeah, this thing has a terrible business model. Like it's never going to work. So I kind of backed out. And uh, yeah, I also then just had a kind of a big company career. But since that exposure to Sid's like Bitcoin company, I kind of caught the, yeah, I was red pilled. I was like, very into crypto and like dabbling into it, buying tokens, this kind of thing. And um, last year, I like kind of left uh, big tech uh, and joined, a, I actually joined the crypto scene, just wanted to jump in. Uh, you know, things were going crazy and there was so much innovation. So I joined uh, FTX, the crypto exchange in Hong Kong. And that that's when I basically kind of saw the future of Solana because there was such a big Solana supporter, right? And a couple of things happened. I think in 2021, when I was at FTX, number one, like the Ethereum NFT scene was popping off. This was like people selling stuff for like $69 million, front page New York Times. It was crazy. Two, um, I did see under the hood, a lot of 
talent and capital moving to Solana. I was like, wow, this is crazy. This is like this ecosystem is really gonna ha- has legs, right? And number three, I was thinking about Sid and you know, all, you know, all the you know, like his experience, also like our, our long friendship. And I was like, holy shit, this is NFTs. Like Sid, then being in a crypto OG, but then also having all this like consumer experience at Uber and Facebook. And then me like working big tech within product management, I feel like, yeah, this is a good combination because we've been into crypto for a long time. NFTs is like a consumer use case and Sid has been chasing the consumer use case dream for like 10 years. And then Solana seems like a very consumer friendly chain because it's very cheap. So yeah, we, we like, you know, put uh, one and one and one together and, you know, and, and, and started Magita. Jeez, that was wild. First of all, oh my God, Sid's origin story crazy story wow i feel like you need to write a book like (laughs) you need to write like a memoir that was i would read it i would obviously read it like there's enough content for a a tweet thread (laughs) a twitter thread yes Um, that that guy that guy who owns the boat that sid was living on now works at magic eden yeah. Which is like a crazy... he brings a magic Eden now. Oh, yeah, he's like, oh he's like a really amazing engineer at Magic Eden. So yeah. it's like say hi to Nate. It's actually great. Yeah, everything coming full circle. Shout out to Nate yeah. from Magic Eden. Get me and out he... on the streets. <laughs> Wait, he just like found you on the streets? What? No, no, I said kept oh. me out of the streets. Yeah, oh. so I knew him already, and you know he had happened to have a broken boat for me. Well, that's pretty nice of him. Who runs your guys' social media? Because your guys is social game is like the best i've ever seen for an nft company especially like a marketplace and like i feel like that's the one the one thing like i mean the way people you know to get people's attention social media that's a huge thing right and i mean i didn't even i i I didn't even really know about any solana nft marketplaces until oh you guys started tweeting out a bunch i start seeing all these tweets go viral i'm like what is magic eating i need to look into this so yeah, I mean, who runs yeah. your guys' social media? Yeah, so we have a we have an intern, like a ME intern, uh, uh, you know, just following the crypto like cultural, you know, like uh, zeitgeist in, in some ways. Yeah, so he's uh, his handle is Warbucks, and his uh, his name is Usman. He's like, um, yeah, he's he's like really really talented. Uh, Wait, how do you guy. spell his handle? I need to follow him. Yeah, W A R, so War, and the Bucks B. U-C-K-S-S. Yeah, I think it's two S's or maybe three S's or like, yeah, one uh, of them. Oh, I see. The Magic Eden intern. Okay. Warbucks yeah. with, what is it? One, two, three, four, five S's. At five the S's. Five yeah. S's. Yeah, yeah. So wow. Okay. Very, very talented. Yeah, very talented. Yeah. So, and so, by the way, he's not an intern. He works here for Yeah, he definitely works. Okay, like, that's just the joke. Okay. I was like, you actually should be paying him. But, no, okay, no, no. Sure. Definitely. Definitely. Um, he's worth it. We're like trying to prevent him from getting poached basically <laughs> oh yeah. no hopefully after this people don't try to go after him now yeah. everybody listening is going to know to go try and poach him <laughs> they know exactly no, think, who he is i think people know people already know yeah yeah but, they do. Um, yeah he's very talented he's based in hong kong and uh very very funny guy uh very right. out- yeah where are you guys based out of we're currently based out of san francisco yeah, yeah. okay cool it's, it's crypto very- so it's very like nomadic yeah Remote company, yeah. And and I mean, I think a lot of crypto companies are very remote. Most are, yeah, for sure. And and that's how, you know, kind of like, I mean, mo- many crypto companies kind of started or like got big during the pandemic and, yep. you know, and crypto itself is already so so global, you know. Absolutely. 
Love um, we we need to congratulate Jennifer, by the way, on her punk ape purchase today. Thirty three hundred ETH. That's pretty awesome. Oh, what? Awesome. Yeah, congratulations. Yeah, I know that. that was not me. That was not me. Oh. Yeah, the hoodie. Are we boxing people's punk? wallets now? Wow, this is great. Yeah. <laughs> you guys see the hoodie punk sale? That was uh, crazy. That was like yeah. what was it? Four million dollars or something? Four and a half million. Yep. Yeah. yeah, that yep. was wild. So, you guys, why did you decide to then go into Ethereum and and start supporting Ethereum projects? on your platform, even though you've been like, okay, number one in the Solana space, like, why did you decide to start branching out? Yeah, I'm, I'm having to kick that one off. And um, so basically, yeah, to be honest, like going cross chain has been our uh, plan, like since, uh, you know, day one, actually, I was yeah walking down memory lane the other day, looking at like this original white paper that we wrote, uh, before we even had the Magita name. And, you know, we already had plans to uh, go cross chain. I think like, our mentality is, um, we're more like a product company. We're not as deep into like consensus algorithms, like some of that kind of stuff. So for us, like we kind of see the world as, hey, NFTs have many use cases, right? Like users use these things for certain, uh, you know, for certain purposes. One use case is collectibles and, you know, profile photos, PFPs being basically the big thing in collectibles. And then there are other use cases like gaming, ticketing, and so on. Um, we kind of want to go really deep into collectibles and games. And then, you know, we also want to support like art and photography later on. But if we think about like collectibles, that use case, right? Um, that's a very like Solana and Ethereum kind of phenomenon. Like the other ecosystems don't really have that. Like, and we've seen, you know, we've actually surveyed a lot of the other ecosystems as well. So now that we've had some success on Sol, like, you know, like serving users who really are interested in like collectibles. We feel like we understand those users really well. We understand those creators really well. And when we talk to the folks on Ethereum, actually, there is a, actually a high degree of overlap. There's obviously always on crypto Twitter, there's a little bit of tribalism, you know, between the chains, but really the underlying human motivation is very much the same. And we want to, you know, give it a crack and see like if we can also serve those users. And when we think about also like, collectibles like community is so important right like and the most community and culture is so important actually right and and if pfps and collectibles is like a way of you know expressing your culture expressing your uh community in some ways and there are so many communities on ETH that we all we, we also look up to and we also admire right they are you know at the cutting edge of building this like internet culture so we know there's a lot for us to learn and there's, well, hoping we can bring some of the things we've done on Sol to that ecosystem as well. That's amazing. Yeah, I've definitely heard a lot of say, a lot of people say the future is cross-chain. Do you guys have plans for other supporting other uh, blockchains besides ETH? Uh, we do have some other plans, but like not, I wouldn't say, um, you know, right now we're focused on just trying to do a good job on ETH. We already yeah. feel like, wow, like the bar and... Um, what users expect and how to actually offer something that's truly valuable to use on ETH is already really high and we really just want to double down and do a good yeah. job there. Yeah. I don't know, Sid, if you want to add more. No, I, no, I think absolutely. I think, you know, one lesson I think we also, uh, you know, we've traditionally been like, oh, let's go, go, go and, and, um, and, and you know, just like, let's try to do more. Um, and I think, you know, like a recent, re recent theme as we, you know, kind of expand to ETH, we kind of also, like, you know, we're learning a lot of lessons and and we realize, you know, like, let's, like, keep our current scope and then let's make sure that we just do a really good job in that. Yeah. 
Yeah, ma- master something. Well, you guys already mastered Solana, so you know, next up, ETH. Um, can we talk a bit about the Magic Eden Launchpad? Mm-hmm. Okay, t- tell us more about that. Yeah, happy to. So I think um, so as a uh, like Launchpad, I think um, we started this very early when uh, you know, like in 2021, actually, like the first couple of months of Magic Eden, and um. I think actually we were probably one of the first marketplaces in the world across all of the chains that actually have this product. And the reason for that is if you think about, um, you know, NFT marketplaces, it's predominantly like a C2C experience. Like it's end user to end user, buyer and seller, right? But actually like creators are a very important part of the ecosystem. And a lot of the time it's the creators who are advocating for things and contacting platforms like us uh, for requests. And we thought like, wow, how can we better serve these creators? And as we got to understand them more, we realized the launch of an NFT is one of the most like emotionally, like uh, it's like one of the most emotionally jacked like kind of points for a creator. It's like they've been working uh, super stressful for so many months and in like 10 minutes or an hour, things can be make or break, right? They will be either lauded as heroes of an amazing launch or something goes wrong and they get flooded by their community. So it's it's actually like very anxiety inducing, but there's also like big peaks if they do well and big troughs. So we thought, how can we, yeah, just alleviate some of those pain points for creators on something that is so important. And we looked into, it, I thought, yeah, like we should be able to handle some of the complexity of the technology, but also as we do more reps around like these launches, then they will understand the market better. And maybe we can also become advisors and partners to these creators. And that's how basically Launchpad was born. That's amazing. And then also happy one year anniversary. Did it already happen or is it coming up? It just happened 10 days ago. So Oh my god, it just happened 10 days. Wow. Our birthday one year. Was, um, 9-17-2021 was our birthday. Uh, we started writing call, I think like on the Labor Day weekend of 2021. I think like around 9.07 or something. We didn't sleep for 10 days and then we launched 10 days later. Yeah. Uh, and and that's wow. uh, that's kind of the origin story. The product was pretty bad, busted. We, yeah, we couldn't have like a search bar or anything, but we just wanted to like yeah, just just it's somewhat out there to, yeah, see, see what happened. Yeah. What has been the scaling process like? I mean, that's such a short time frame, one year. How many people do you guys have in your team now? We have like a hundred and fifteen. Yeah. Wow. So from what, like two to 115 people in... in... Uh, four. Yeah, we have four, four co-founders. Uh, oh, so four. Oh, we almost had about six people. Within the first week or two six weeks, people. we got to about seven to eight people. Yeah. Uh, and just, you know, friends. Um, and then um, and then from then on, we, we scale from then on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think like the, the, the discussion of scaling, there are like a couple of things like scaling the product, scaling to the product, meaning like, you know, our offering. And then there's like scaling the, you know, our system to handle the amount of users and activities that that we have. Um, and, you know, one thing that might be surprising to hear is like everyone thinks that we are in an NFT bear market. And then maybe in some ways it, it, it is true, but activity is at all time high, uh, especially in Solana. Um, and so like, you know, on a system level, you scale by activity, right? Uh, not, not, um, and then the, the, the last thing is like scaling the team. And so all three have been really crazy. Yeah. I am curious to hear you guys' reflection on what you've learned uh, building a Web3 company in the space. Also, I wanted to, to quote this um, that I read from you guys' blog that 
You've listed over 12,000 collections, launched 320 collections, and I've done $2 billion plus in trades with over 12 million transactions. That is so wild in just a year. What's one thing to reflect on over the past year of building Magic Eden? Mm, yeah, I'll, I'll, I can have one. I think, uh, yeah, my biggest reflection is the team. Like, uh, actually, I feel like really humbled about all of the folks who decided to join us and like jump on this like really crazy thing. Uh, you know, when we were small, like, you know, we didn't have a lot to show for it too. Like we were growing, but hey, it's NFTs, it's crypto, it's like completely new space, new chain, like there's a lot of risk and I feel very humbled by like some of the really, really amazing talent uh, who who decided to jump in with us. A lot of them were folks who we worked with before. So I feel like they kind of, <laughs> they didn't know much about NFTs, but they were like kind of jumping in uh, blind to, to just, just for us. And um, my reflection there is actually like, yeah, when you have a great team, like nothing is impossible, you know, and that's like a really privilege and like a humbling place to be like you can have amazing strategies but for for most of the time a startup is so resource uh constrained that you cannot like you cannot realize them right you cannot execute against them you cannot implement them but i always feel that imagine you know we can like dream big and 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 go do something and also like yeah inevitably we've had many like lessons and challenges along the way as well but the team like was very was willing to stick stick with us and roll through it and iterate, right? And then help us overcome those challenges. So I think for me, that's the, yeah, that, that's my biggest reflection. It's very, yeah, actually very humble. Yeah. I don't know, Sid, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, he always takes the, the, the good one now. <laughs> but I think, yeah, podcast, I guess, uh, right, I think, you know, for the sake of the podcast, let me come up with uh, the second point, <laughs> the most important lesson is probably like, and this, probably combined so like my early experience with crypto as well it's like you know it, the good times are never as good as the good times seen but at the same time the bad times are never as bad as they seem and and you know you kind of need to like just calm down you know stay cool and just take an average <laughs> and then and then and then life in crypto would be a lot more just interesting you know i used to like just get affected by oh my god like the you know like the business can grow 5x all of a sudden then it can drop you know, really quickly too. And and now I just like, you know, I feel like I'm just so, what's the right word? So zen all the time, you know. Hmm. <laughs> Crypto you just makes you calm, you know. Yeah. Um, I feel like, you're probably just immune to all of the emotional roller coasters that crypto and NFT has taken us through, especially since you've been through so many cycles, you know, starting so early. Yeah, I feel like a lot of OGs are just like, they're chill because they have, they've had that experience. And a lot of the new people coming in now, it's like, oh my God, it's kind of crazy and hectic. I'm going to let Michael ask some questions, but I have one last question as well. Um, just for somebody that's like, in the NFT space right now, maybe they just got into the NFT space like a year ago and they're kind of like, or maybe like two years ago. And they're like, oh my gosh, the bear market, like, is everything going to zero? Am I, you know, is everything done? Like, is it over? And and they're just kind of like freaking out and not really sure what the future is going to look like for crypto, for NFTs. What advice would you give to those people? Maybe Sid, we should start with you so you can take the good answer. <laughs> i mean i think that like i think that maybe you know the answer might be a little bit different if you know if you're a builder versus like mm -hmm. you are you know someone that you know believes in space 
maybe like I can give something that's a little bit tailored to builders, you know, because like, you know, while it can be very demoralizing for, you know, someone that believes in the space for a builder every day, you know, it's like even more demoralizing. So I think like maybe the biggest, you know, lesson or suggestion for, you know, apart from like the good times never is good and the bad times never is bad, is that like in some ways as a builder, I think you need to, like I call it like build for today, position for tomorrow. Hmm. It's like, or maybe in other words, like you should be like 70% a pragmatist. And then 30%, you're still a dreamer. And I think what that means is that like, I thought about NFT in 2013, 14. And when Ethereum came along, I was like, oh my God, games are going to be on blockchain. And then eventually I got so jaded. It was like, oh my God, this is never going to happen. And it's actually part of the reason why, like when NFT took off and Jack called me, I was like, oh my God, let's, guys, this is happening. Like we've been waiting for 10 years. It's finally here. Wow. And, and so like, in some ways, like, yeah, like even if you really believe in this technology is going to enable the future and you're like, you know, truly a dreamer, you also can't be someone that's living in 2030. You know, you have to live in 2022. And so I think that's, you know, probably like the biggest lesson for me. It's like, hey, build for today. But if you forget about tomorrow, if you like stop being a dreamer and we, you know, crypto moves so fast, we guarantee you in 2024, someone will disrupt you. Uh, and and you won't be relevant anymore either. So I think that's probably like my 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 lesson. Yeah. What about you, Jack? Um. No, that that, that was amazing. <laughs> so yeah, I think you know, like crypto is volatile, and like that's just part and parcel with the territory. So like you know, come in and things are like pretty crazy. It goes up and goes down. Um. I kind of think about it like man, like a couple of years ago, people thought DeFi was really gonna be like a toy, right? Like really small. And before DeFi, people thought that like uh, ERC tw- uh, ERC20s, right? Like building your own token on top of Ethereum was going to be really small. And then before that, people thought that like, okay, smart contracting platform, that's like a myth. And I think like the story for me in crypto is like, it's always, it starts really small. It looks like a toy and it looks a little bit like a scam. But if you really believe and you have to take this a little bit of a leap of faith, things just turn out in an unbelievable kind of way and an unbelievable like vibrancy of innovation of like value of like uh, opportunities for entrepreneurs and like other folks in the ecosystem. So yeah, sometimes it's pretty scary when like things are so shaky. Um, but because we saw so many cycles, we thought like, man, like sometimes you have to take a leap of faith to get into the ring. And that's, yeah, that, that'll be my advice. And stay there, yeah, stay in it. That was yeah. great. That's great advice. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Michael? Yeah, so, uh, well, first, congratulations. I didn't realize you guys were just around for one full year. That's that's amazing, you know, progress in a year. You guys keep adding things. And I think you've pretty much, you know the stats more than me, but I'm pretty sure you've dominated the Solana market. Because I remember when I first started hearing about Solana, there were a few marketplaces. I don't hear about any of them anymore. I only hear about you guys. Um, <laughs> I'm not like an expert on Solana, but that that's the truth for sure. I remember when we first started looking at it, they're like, well, you can do this one or that one, mm. but you guys are the, the one standing right now. Um, I know there's a lot of rumors out there about possibly a magic Eden token. And I don't imagine you can give too many details, um, but I wanted like kind of overarching. If you did one, what would you guys like want it to look like? What do you want it to do? How do you want to reward people? Like just what, what are your thoughts on a magic Eden token for whatever you can say or can't say? <laughs> Yeah, I definitely can't. I, I think we can't say too much uh, because uh, mm-hmm. it might actually not not in some ways. Actually, honest, the truth is 
uh, I think a lot of details are I don't know, or even if we know today, it might like really change in the future. Mm -hmm. so it might be very hard to like make those kind of like commitments. But I can talk a little bit more about maybe like philosophically at a product that's level. yeah, that's what I'm looking for for sure. That's what I figured. Yeah. What, what yeah. And, and this would uh I think extend to like tokens, incentives, and like the actual product itself. So this is not uh, I wouldn't say like specific to a specific type of incentive. I think like you know, for Magic Eden, there's a couple of things. Like, number one, it was always really important for us to relate to our users at their level, right? And this kind of goes back to the earlier question of, like, even our social media. Like, Sid and I and our other co-founders are not the social media guys. We're, like, the boomers, like, wiring things together. But we also knew that, hey, like, to be relevant in the space, you have to engage the users and the community at their level. And they love memes. They love, you know, like, the, you know, hot takes and stuff. So we went to specifically find someone like that. And in the sense of like applying to this discussion, like, yeah, people have folks in crypto, they want to feel that when the users win, the platform wins. And when the platform wins, the users win. They want the, that kind of incentive alignment. And we want to drive towards that. I think like the second thing is that the it seems like the, the game is always changing, right? And for example, at the, at the start of Magic Eden, we thought there were only two types of users in the ecosystem. There is only like buyers and sellers. And that's who we should serve. And if we were to have incentives, it should be applied to that. And if we were to build a product around it, it should be applied to that. Then we realized, oh, actually creators is another thing. Like they also have their own role to play in the ecosystem. And then maybe they should also receive some value and they should also be incentive aligned. And now we realize like, oh, actually creators, uh, buyers, sellers are not the only ones. They are also DAOs, right? They are basically like hardcore self-organized groups who are not creators, who are not really traders, but they are true believers in the project, even after maybe the creators have left. And maybe we should also serve that. So whatever we decide in terms of incentives, I think we want to design it in a way that like accommodates everyone in the ecosystem, because then it, it becomes like imbalanced and you can like have a true like circular loop uh, in some ways. The last thing I'll probably say is now that we've branched out into gaming, we've also realized, okay, gaming is like a whole new beast. And the, the gaming creators are very different to like the collectible creators. And it will be, as we serve gaming creators, it will, also be, uh, it will also be like amazing for them to also benefit in some ways for their contributions to our ecosystem and how we can give value back to them as well. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I, I would say that like, it seems like most of the tokens that's in the market is more like generally very sim simplistic. It will only choose one type of user and one type of action. And then it will, like, it will, it will just pour fuel on that. But I think to everyone is trying to find the you know the holy grail something that's sustainable and balanced over time, and I think there is there's more elements to this that uh, that, that we are also learning about as well uh, on our, on our mm -hmm. yeah. And why do you? Th I mean, so the tokens are obviously to reward your users and stuff. So like like obviously like looks rare did one, and that was popular for a while. Like, do you think you guys need one? Like, why why do that they really do the tokens is it a money maker uh like like really why would you actually do it yeah i don't have too many special insights on mm -hmm. you know other platforms I right mean, right for sure it's like the yeah. thing to do i know but i'm like it's, yeah, yeah. it's kind of interesting i mean tokens i can speak maybe more like more comment like more broadly right like tokens is not just like a nft marketplace thing and it's not just a solana thing or ethereum thing it's a actually a thing across all categories in crypto, like DeFi, you know, wallets, all of the, all of them have it. 
yeah. it's pretty interesting. Like people use it as number one, like incentive alignment with their users. Uh, so actually, number one, I think you're right. People use it to reward their users, right? Basically, mm-hmm. like liquidity mining schemes and stuff. Number two, like people use it to align incentives. Like I actually think we actually, uh, you know, know a lot of people from crypto.com. We actually, that token, the way that it has like utility inside, um, you know, you basically have to buy the tokens to get like credit card and so on. It's actually very, very clever, like the way that they have their loop. And it's all about incentive alignment and gearing people to adopt the right kind of products. And then number three, people use it for like competitive reasons, right? The most famous is like SushiSwap, Uniswap, like vamping liquidity and so on. I think there's many different reasons. For us, we are more about if we were to have any kind of incentives about like true like incentive alignment with our users. Yeah. Okay, cool. And uh, I, I was looking over your website today for the, like I've been on there a bunch, but for the first time I was really coming through all the, uh, the features and stuff. You guys have a really good drop calendar. Uh, for people to know, oh, really? like, just oh. like something simple. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Even if you're not, even if you're not buying and selling, like you can go to Magic Eden and and check it out and see, you know, a whole bunch of stuff that's dropping. You have there's like 20 of them dropping tomorrow at least. Thank you. <laughs> right yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we also hear other types of feedback about <laughs> that. You, what, do, what do they people say? You miss stuff. I know. I know how it is. Like, yeah, it missed stuff. It's too dense. You know. Right. Right. <laughs> Yeah, and like the Solana users don't want to see the ETH stuff, and then the ETH. Oh users. yeah, did you you laugh because you get a lot of not the best feedback about it? Is uh, that what you guys are like? Yeah, dude, thank you so much. Yeah, yeah, now it's a pleasure. I was looking all, all through the website today, and uh, one more before I'll turn it back to Jennifer. So, like all across the NFT space, we've seen. And I don't know if it's been quite as prevalent recently, but like straight up rug pulls and different things like that. And I know Solana was known for that for a little while when it was first getting popular. Uh, what do you guys do to to at least, I mean, I know it's it's almost impossible because you can't vet people, but like, what do you, do you have that in mind? What do you do to at least try and mitigate or try and help people uh, to avoid scams like that? Yeah, yeah, I can, uh, I can, I can take that one. Uh, yeah, I think, look, this is a super important topic, um, rug scams and, and safety. Yeah. Yeah, massive. And I think, uh, so number one, I think like, actually when I think about it, it's an it's issue that, yeah, doesn't apply to just like Magic Eden, NFTs, but it's like crypto writ large have this problem, like of scams and trust and safety. And it's something that like we as an industry all should do to step up, right? And like, and 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 improve the experience. And we also try to learn a lot from what people, other people are doing, not just in the NFT space, but other other places. So for us, like, we have a couple of principles. Like number one, there is a, a community involvement aspect, which is it's impossible for us to monitor everything. It's uh it's not effective, and we want to uh harness the power of the community. So when you look at our uh, platform, there's many like types of alerts and flags that users can do to flag to flag uh, potential uh, uh like misappropriate like behavior, and our team will like quickly then investigate and then like uh, create alerts. Secondly, like in Web3, there is the big DYOR kind of a culture, right? And if you look at Magic Eden, we were one of the first platforms to have like a research tab where then in research, you can actually see a lot of analytics and data about the about these collections that's very, very rare to see uh, in, uh, in, in, other, uh, in, in other types of apps. And usually you have to pay for this kind of information. So that is all about DYOR and transparency. And thirdly, yes, 
for like specific parts of the product, like Launchpad and stuff, we have like some doxing uh, processes as well. So all that to say is we are also like continuously trying to trying to improve this, and we're seeing like what other things in crypto, what other apps in crypto are doing this really well. But I think uh, yeah, it, it's a it's a massive issue, and it's a massive issue that um, the the industry, like overall industry, faces real large. And yeah, cool. You guys mentioned gaming a few times, and I'm just curious what you're doing in terms of the gaming space and like what your what your plans are what you're working on yeah yeah i I can kick it off i think like for us uh gaming is just another kind of category of like nfts with its own like type of creators and collectors and you know players and so on so for us we are also help trying to help uh, gaming companies um so on the creator side we're trying to help gaming companies solve some of their most difficult pain points Number one would be like gaming companies today, they just need to focus on the game. Like gaming as a business model is already really, really hot. It's like hyper hits driven. And most of the time, those gaming companies just want to focus on their content. How do I make a beautiful game that game um, games gamers want to play? They don't really want to uh, understand like how to plug the pipes together in blockchain, right? And <laughs> that's one. And then they like blockchain is still so new and abstract. A lot of them are in some ways looking for like a, advice, like a trusted, like a trusted guide in some ways to help them understand the trade-offs of technical decisions, product decisions, community decisions, distribution decisions, and so on. So on the creator side, we want to solve those pain points. So we have like a, basically a developer product that gaming studio, like gaming devs can use to more easily build on the blockchain and uh, basically build like in-game marketplaces and, and so on and so forth within within the context of their game. And secondly, we have basically like folks who used to be pro gamers themselves, but are now super into NFTs. And they are like partnerships folks. And they help, they help games like uh, think about the distribution strategy, think about like how to be relevant and think about like partnerships. I think one of the great examples, like even today, uh, we did uh, a launch for Azra Games. Like Azra Games, I would consider one of the yeah, premier Web3 games uh, in, in crypto. They raised money from like A16Z. The founder was uh, a very, very famous founder from um, who's, who's built these like Star Wars games, like millions and millions of, of players. And But they really come from like a gameplay uh, uh, background. And we went to meet them in like Sacramento uh, where they're based. And they were looking for trust the folks that help them do a launch and build a community and to like folks who can like, yeah, uh, uh, basically I'm kind of repeating myself, but like, yeah, folks who can like kind of guide them along the way of like which blockchains uh, are good to use. What are the key trade-offs? How do we think about the market and so on? So yeah, that, those are the, the types of services that we provide to our gaming client. It's amazing. Yeah. I'm, I'm super excited about just NFTs in gaming. Like just the fact that just being able to own like in-game items like that's just and yeah i don't know why everyone's like pushing back on that like all the gamers right now they're like no we don't want nfts and it's like it sucks that nfts have this bad like i don't know it's just you know the mainstream they don't like nfts for whatever reason scams you know wash trading bad for the environment like whatever their argument is that they say um and it, it it just sucks that they can't that you know, it's like things that would benefit them, like they're kind of like being against it uh, for whatever reason. But, you know, with time, um, like Sid had said, like he was waiting in, in 2013 for, for <laughs> NFT gaming to be a thing. Right. And it took so long. I mean, some of the things I think, you know, um, it can take a while to come because like so many things has to 
go right talent has to be there capital needs to be there and then you know follows like consumer interest and then when there's consumer interest then you know more talent comes and in you know the cycle kind of repeats but i think one thing in crypto also is just like never underestimate just like when it comes it comes fast and so and so like never try to like plot it on a linear curve because it's it doesn't it doesn't extrapolate that way right yeah. Well, your, I got to go back to what Jack had like briefly mentioned this and then it's just like in the back of my mind. So I have to bring it up again. You worked with Vitalik Buterin for a bit or no, like, no. so we were, oh, okay. uh, we were on the early library and they, you know, would like, I think by the, by the time I joined that library project, Vitalik was already like getting out of the project and he was already thinking about, I think Ethereum. Um, and, um, and we essentially, you know, we then like took over the the project and then renamed, you know, kind of repurposed the project. Because at that time, like Bitcoin JS was like one big project, like a single project. And then we kind of like, you know, over time broke it into like little pieces and stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And do you guys collect NFTs? Like, do you like collect or mm-hmm. are you mostly just like building in the space? No, no, no we collect. Yeah, yeah. yeah we collect. Yeah. Like, yeah. like, I'm like much bigger on like uh, Solana entity myself. I'm a I'm a D god. I don't know if you heard of D gods. Um, <laughs> yep. no, it's I only the I... most popular so- Solana entity. <laughs> well, I, I got it. I got it when it was really early. You know, I got it when people thought it was like rocks. <laughs> anyway, nice. Yeah. All right, that's a flex. That's a flex. Yeah, yeah. he's definitely flexing right now. <laughs> he's like, yeah, not to brag, but I got in like. He's like, I have yeah. two hundred of those. <laughs> I think it's well. Yeah. <laughs> but I think I think there's something magical about kind of being part of this community. You know, like you know, like it becomes kind of part part of your like identity. You know, like it's it kind of gets into like your your nomenclature. You know, you kind of like their memes, and you know, I mean this uh um I mean this like Twitter group called like Mickey D Walking, which is like a particular branch of the gods, and then like they're all on Twitter. And there's like this like DM group that we're in, and and it's just you know there's something like quite quite special about being part of a community like yeah jackie you what are your what's your like <laughs> um, what's your nft flex no i don't i don't have too many <laughs> NFT flexes um yeah i uh, i'm personally a fan of a few collections um uh you know like not financial advice and all of that kind of stuff <laughs> um but yeah I, yeah i like i like aurori's that's what i have is my uh, profile photo which is like a game on uh on solana i've met the founders before i think like yeah they're amazing um uh also fan of like psychedelic anonymous actually on ETH. Oh. <laughs> they look pretty pretty hardcore uh and uh yeah I, and they were also our like our first launchpad uh customer on ETH. yeah and, for izu yeah that's right so yeah. Actually, very grateful that you know they took a chance on us. So yeah, actually. I actually have the largest sale in the entire Izu project. What? No, no way! Really? I got, I got lucky. I got one of the one of ones when it revealed, and yeah, oh wow, the, the largest like? sale. Uh, it was cool. It was like this, like blue lady with like spirals and stars all around her. It was really cool. Oh, a blue lady! I've never seen yeah. that. I they were yeah, all yeah. like anonymous, kind of. Face. Well, I, I mean, she looked like a lady and she was an anonymous face, but. Um, oh, yeah. I'm a big fan. Yeah, me too. Oh, Not really cool. We had Voltura on and uh, he was really impressive for sure. We've yeah. definitely been fans of yeah. that project for a while. I, I had my like watch list and everything. I was like oh, trying, yeah. to, like, trying to get the one that I really, really liked. And then uh, 
waited for like a week and then yeah couldn't get it just had to just had to get something on the market yeah yeah for sure all right so as we're kind of coming to a bit of a close on this this episode michael do you have any last minute questions yeah one thing that i thought of does solana have a lot of like uh independent artists one-on-one collections anything like that do they because i know i mostly hear about like the big giant you know pfps or games but do they have an ecosystem really for like one-on-one artists uh yeah they have a bit of an ecosystem um we've haven't been like as deep, but we've definitely had some exposure. Like I think John Lay is a uh, like a very successful one-on-one artist. There are some like how do you, how do you spell? It's J O H N. How do you spell? J O H N and then L E. And L-E, then okay. um, uh, I think uh, actually think thank you. Yeah, thank you. X also did a a Solana drop, uh, okay. and we supported them as well. Um, yeah, very grateful for that. And yeah, there's definitely a burgeoning scene which. Um, yeah, which, which 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 is definitely yeah, which which yeah. should have exist. I think photography is pretty big as well. We have uh, immutable images. Maybe I'm actually saying that wrong. Is it? Yeah. Uh, uh, but they're like amazing, like street photographers. Uh, actually, yeah. so with like a lot of history behind uh, those photos, yeah, we we also support them as well. And it's kind of interesting. Like we definitely see like you know immutable immutable image for sure, but definitely there are like other. Uh, one of the artists that they really they do editions, you know, and so like you know each art, then they're like five hundred editions of the, the 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 same art, and then like that, then even you know for one one artists, they're able to build community around like their art, and I think that's also really cool. I think so, like yeah, you know the NFT space is definitely not static. Like you know even like when you think a, a category is a mature category, uh, you know people definitely then you know find new ways to innovate. Yeah, I'm looking at I'm looking at John's stuff right now. He's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's good to know. Beautiful. It's definitely beautiful. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you guys. I, I, Jennifer I thinks about to take it out, but it's a pleasure talking to you. And uh, it seems like you're going to be sticking around and doing some awesome things in the NFT space. And I appreciate your answers and your candidness. So good luck with everything in the future. And it'll be exciting to watch. Thank you. Very yeah. Much. Um, nice. Anything else we should cover before we before we end this? Jack yeah, anything said- you guys want to bring up no i yeah i really enjoyed the conversation you know like yeah thanks so much for having us on (laughs) yeah yeah you guys were honestly really inspiring like i felt very inspired this whole podcast i hope our listeners um also felt inspired uh because this was a really good this was a really good episode honestly uh definitely exceeded my expectations so thank you guys for coming on the show um and yeah we'll catch everybody in the next episode peace Thank you for tuning in to the NFT Catcher Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and learned something new about the exciting world of NFTs. If you enjoyed today's episode, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you really love what you're hearing, please leave us a rating and review on your favorite platform. If you want to stay up to date with the latest news and insights from the NFT space, be sure to follow us on all the socials at NFT Catcher Pod. You can follow Jennifer at Jennifer underscore pseudo and Michael at NFTicket. I'm your producer, Andy, and I'm at AJC254. Our theme songs by It's Just Los. We always appreciate your feedback and support, which helps us reach more people and bring you informative and engaging content about NFTs. We look forward to bringing you more great NFT content in future episodes. Thanks for listening. Peace. <laughs>